Okay, so basically, when it comes to, like, masculinity, its intersection with, like, nationalism, the military brotherhood, one of the things that, like, I feel like I've not discovered, but, like, one of the major academic pieces of this is the idea that it's, like, sport as a function of nationalism because it roots the sport mythically in a certain type of, like, person who's ideal to play the sport. So basically, like, when it comes to hockey specifically the person who like is the mythical or like the person that you're supposed to think of when you think of hockey players is like a working class rural Canadian guy who like skates outside in a frozen pond. Like that sort of guy. You can see the image in your head. Was that Youngblood? Youngblood? What? Have you ever watched Youngblood? No. Ah. Oh. Sorry. No. Does that make me a poser or something? No. It's um, what's his name? Have you seen... I can't believe that it's just giving me five fucking seconds of summer. Five seconds of summer, no. Oh, is this a hockey movie? Yeah, this oh, guy. Oh, Rob Lowe? Rob Lowe, yeah. I forgot no, his I name. I have not seen this. And okay. Patrick Swayze? And Patrick Swayze. Damn. It's a great movie. I probably movie. should see this. It's a, I did a whole paper on it, actually, a couple of years ago. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. It's pretty good. But anyways, that's like the kind of guy that they're, they're kind of like Canada- the powers that be in Canada. Yeah. I don't know who that is. The media makers, whoever, kind of pushed that. Or something. <laughs> Someone important in Canada has labeled hockey as Canada's national sport. It's like the id of Canada. It's the common factor between all Canadians is like, we can all play pond hockey together. But like, it just centralizes in its own, like, I don't know, um, execution. It just centralizes, like, this white male specific kind of guy. Um, specifically, I don't know how to get to this part. So, basically, it dictates who can and can't play. I feel like I've already told you this before. So, like, there's that thing about how black people supposedly have weak ankles and, like... Yeah, that one threw me for a loop. That makes me... <laughs> I don't understand it. And how, like, they're not used to the cold, so they can't play hockey. Just like, okay, I don't know about that. Uh, what? If you're from Canada, you gotta be used to the cold, I feel <laughs> like. Black people exist in Canada, exactly. And then there's also this really long-running perception that female reproductive systems get destroyed by playing hockey. That's a good one, too. That's, that's pretty out there. <laughs> They're like, it's just too hard on women's, like, uteruses, and it makes them infertile, which is obviously not true. Um, but basically, like, there's a lot of different places where you can find it. If you look at the previous CHL, not the Canadian Hockey League, the Colored Hockey League, which was um, founded in, like, 1895 in part of Canada. It was really popular for a couple of decades and then kind of, like, petered out during the World Wars. The reason why it ended up, like, kind of getting crushed and not being, like, black hockey players are just, like, a, a sport you can go watch was because the business people who owned the rinks were like, we're going to segregate you and not let you play on our rinks anymore. So that became a huge thing. So that's why a lot of like people don't play or a lot of people like stopped being able to play hockey, like people of color specifically in Canada before we integrated the NHL and like kind of sport in general. One of those scholars that I was researching went into this whole thing about ice rinks and like ice time and how they split it up. And it's basically the exact same thing as before when it was like, we're kind of segregating who plays and when. Yeah. So, yeah. So, basically, when you look at, like, Canadian ice rinks and the ice time that they give players, 
um, or like different like organizations and teams. Usually it's like like junior level ice hockey, like boys juniors, who will get like the prime spots. So then it leaves like women's leagues generally to play at like 10 p.m., 11 p.m., midnight. I almost joined the women's hockey team at Georgetown and I didn't because the ice time, the only ice time that they were like able to get was like until like midnight. And where? Where is the closest? And place? it was super far away. That was the yeah. other thing because they couldn't find any rinks that were close by that would give them ice time. And the closest one that would was like, I think it was like 1030 to like 1230 on like Wednesdays. Like an Uber away. Yeah. yeah and I was like, uh, I can't do that. So that's a major thing. And then there's also like this idea of, you know, like pickup hockey. Yeah. Or like open skate and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, stuff like that. You basically found that like all the open ice time was also just dominated by men and every time like teenage girls would go out to play, they would report that the guys they were playing with would be really aggressive and they were like, okay, I don't really want to play right now. So it's like, there's just a lot of weird things that are kind of baked into the system of like who gets centralized as hockey players. And then there's been a couple of instances where like the Canadians men team has won and they get this huge, like, they're like, oh, parades, front page of the newspaper. And the women's team will also win the same year, the same tournament. And they'll be like, page six, sorry. A paragraph. Just a paragraph, which is kind of depressing. If you think that the national sport of, of Canada is hockey, would you not want everyone to play? Yeah, no, especially, like, when you're talking about, like, open skate and stuff. Like, none of those guys are going pro. People are, like, and, yeah, it's, like, still so important to them that they're hockey players. Um, like, you get it in every sport, I guess, just, like, washed up old heads. And so, like, they have to go be assholes to everyone else to, like, prove that they're the right people. Like, they're the hockey players, even though it's, like, you're not. Like, you're 40. You got a bum knee. You have to grapple with your own Yeah, you kind of got to look stuff. in the mirror instead of just being an asshole to other people. <laughs> um, so then, when it comes to, like, again, franchise face as a whole, the idea of popular masculinity is a function of nationalism as well for kind of similar reasons because it just kind of pushes, like, one specific type of person who's like, this is our ideal man, and if you aren't like this, something's wrong. So then it's kind of just the same way when it's like you have an ideal um, athlete when you go like sport to sport. So it kind of pushes that same thing because this is the people like these are the people that you're supposed to be like looking up to and they're just supposed to be the heroes and they're the ones who are modeling like what you're supposed to do. And it's just kind of all wrapped up in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you think Bergeron's like this guy? He's the ideal guy or is more like Gretzky? I feel like there's a lot of ways that he's the ideal, rooted, mythically type of player. I don't know if he's necessarily like a rural player, but he's from like outside Quebec. And I don't know anything about, I don't know anything. I don't know enough about Canada Canadian to say. geography. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. It sounded like a small place. Um, but like he's maybe got that kind of rural thing going on. He's definitely obviously got like white male and also like the fact that he is Canadian and kind of like working class also. Um, but I feel like the thing that he most diverges in is that he's Quebecois and he's not an English speaking yeah. Canadian. Like if you look at, I was reading so much about how Don Cherry like 
hates French speakers and they like put on this, this like, I don't know. They put on like a national tournament of some kind, but it was like French speaking. Like they announced it in French and stuff. And John Cherry got so mad. He was like, we are being discriminated against because they're, French is the main language that this is being, this is being like pushed in. And it was like, I feel like there's probably subtitles. You could also follow the game. It's a game. Yeah. It's also, visual. you live in Canada. A lot of people speak French. I think it's okay. So there's that. Also, this idea that like all the things that European players get kind of like um, assigned to them, like how they're like supposed to be like selfish and like flashy and that sort of thing. Like all of those things also get assigned to like Canadian players who are from Quebec. So it's kind of interesting that he has technically this like um, more conservative view, like you would be like, no, he's not quite what we're looking for. But like, obviously we're in Massachusetts. I don't think people care that much. Yeah, as long as you're Canadian, no one cares. Yeah. Canada's Canada. English speaking, <laughs> yeah. Once you get north of the border, just... All kind of means the same thing. Yeah, it's just like, which hockey team do you root for? Better not be the Habs. Ugh. And he didn't! He was a Nordiques <laughs> fan. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. The season that the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, which was 2010 to 2011, they started a playoff tradition where the player of the game would wear something special for the like, post-game interviews and press. So that year, they found like an old-school like Bruins windbreaker starter jacket type of thing on eBay, and they wore that. The next season, it was a chain, like a really obnoxious-looking like thick chain with a lock with the Bruins logo on it. Kind of the first one, Andrew Ferentz found on eBay and bought. The second one, Andrew Ferentz designed himself. Of course. <laughs> he really seems like he was into arts and crafts, and I kind of, ex I, I kind of respect that about him. He had to make him. it into like a cool hockey way. He had to make it in a kind of manly way. Yeah. He's like, look at this chain. It couldn't be like, oh, I've been making necklaces at my house. <laughs> I made necklaces for us. I made a victory us. chain. A victory chain. A little friendship chain. A good job chain. Then next is the Army Ranger jacket was the 2012-2013 season that we lost the Stanley Cup, but went to the finals. So he had become friends, this is Andrew Ferentz, he became friends with this guy whose name is Staff Sergeant Lucas Carr and a bunch of other Army Rangers in 2007 in the kind of general way that like sports athletes just become friends with people in the military. I don't know. Um, and he had been wearing an Army Rangers shirt during the 2011 Cup run. And then he was like keeping in touch with them in Afghanistan. They sent him photos of them with a Bruins flag in Afghanistan. They also got one, maybe the same people, but also maybe different people in Iraq. Just so wild to me. Just waving a Bruins flag, just planted their flag in there. Um, and then they would like call him and be like, yeah, while we were in battle today, we were just thinking about watching the game later. What are your thoughts on that? I have to stop because this is so flabbergasting. I mean, like, if I'm overseas, I'm thinking, like, I still want to follow Not the that. Others, I just think that, like, <laughs> conceptually, it's so wild to me that they're, like, battle at 12.30, Bruins game at 7. I think it's, like, <laughs> when you're, like, putting your body in, out there like that, it's a good way to just, like, convince yourself, to, to get the adrenaline going. You got something to do. Convince yourself that what you're doing is important. And then also, like, lock in, like, lock in with the other guys. If you're going to war with the guys, quote-unquote, it's a lot easier to lock in and, like, be more selfless, I feel like, than if you're just like, oh, 
you know, we're going to go play a game, win, lose, or draw, let's have fun and show good sportsmanship. I also just think the army jacket itself is, like, probably pretty cool. Like, if you're the guy who wins wins it, you get to put it on. It's pretty cool. It? Yeah, let's take a look. Yeah, like, that's pretty sick. Face it's cut custom up. custom made. Face cut up. The custom jacket. <laughs> what is the vibe, you think? What's the vibe that you get from that? I mean, for that picture? I thought the picture was pretty like hard. Like, just, like, the concept of, like, I guess, here, I'll show you. This is kind of getting into what I wanted to talk about, which is, like, Faces the of way battle. that Sports Illustrated refers to this is Faces of Battle. Yeah, that picture is pretty sweet, too. It's also, yeah, this is what I use actually for my presentation. Um, and it's literally just a whole bunch of hockey players and a bunch of horrible injuries. Um, thoughts on that? Like just this concept of the two of them together. Because I feel like, for reference, everyone, Jake plays rugby. So I feel like a lot of these things are very similar and you have like a different insight than I have as an outsider just being like, this is so wild to me. Definitely similar in that we can't get any good fields or any good playing time. No one's looking out for us in the in the uh, higher ups of the school. But oh uh, it's no, I, I mean, it's analogous in like the ways like they're all going out there together. It's physical. You're putting on the line. I, in terms of like the consequences, like no, <laughs> I guess it doesn't. Hold the same way. People and die in hockey games all the time. People do die in hockey games. There's a really interesting Wikipedia page called NHL players or hockey players who died during games. I have gone through that list. It's really Have weird. you watched them? No. Yeah, I've watched no. the one where the guy gets his throat cut open. Nope. And he lived. Um, yeah, no. So the battle thing I kind of get, I guess. Maybe it's just uh, like a, it's, it's, it's not easy to... Dude, I mean, they're getting paid millions of dollars, so maybe it is easy. But still, like, you have to go out there and, like, risk potentially dying, potentially getting your throat cut open, like, by by a wayward skate or, I don't know, getting hit into the board so hard that you're leaving it a stretcher. It's not easy to, like, just be like, oh, I'm going to go do that. you got to big brain yourself into into being like, we're, we're just like these guys. We even have the jacket. And then going out there and playing. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit dramatic as a concept. I don't know. I think I just think it's really interesting. And I didn't I didn't like go into it enough into like I don't I feel like the idea of sports and nationalism are like and like militarism are all just super closely linked because of that like national aspect in the middle. So it's just so weird when it's like, oh yeah, it's right there. Yeah. Like you were saying, like all the different words that you use, like you lead your men into battle. You got battle scars, like all that other stuff where it's just like faces of battle. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I understand, but it's so crazy that this is just a game people play. You know what I mean? Sometimes I just sit down and I'm like, wow, this is just a game. Yeah. But anyways, so Andrew Ference became friends with them. He gets invited to Fort Benning, Georgia, the summer that they won the Stanley Cup. I'm pretty sure he brought the cup to them. They have a framed photo of the Bruins winning the cup in the Army Rangers Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool. And then the Bruins have Lucas Carr's running singlet in their locker room, or at least they did throughout like the 2012-2013 season. He crossed the finish line of the Boston Marathon in a Bruins running singlet oh. like a few minutes before the first bomb went off. Oh, no way. So then he was like, holy shit, I actually know what to do. And I also know that we just got bombed and like, there's probably going to be another one. So he like turned around and was immediately like administering first aid and all this other stuff, which is also so wild to me. 
But anyway, so he goes to Fort Benning, Georgia. He does a tour. He goes to a graduation. He goes to sniper school, as you do when you just get invited to a... Uh, when you win the Stanley when Cup. When you win the Stanley Cup. You kind of can you do whatever you want. You do a bunch of weird stuff. I also had this photo. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. It's so bad because it's at the Boston bombing. It's at the spot. Describe what you see. Describe to the audience. So we got... Uh, it was Andrew Ferentz. Andrew Ferentz. He's got the, the arm sleeve tat, and he's wearing like a tight white V-neck and some jeans and, and a boot. He's in a boot. Um, and then behind him is downtown Boston with a bunch of people hanging out, not really paying attention, and he's just standing in front of this sign that just says Army Ranger. It just says Ranger, and next to it's a Bruins flag, and he's mean mugging. It's kind of just a hilarious picture. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what does it say? Airborne and Ranger Training Brigade. Oh, yeah, that's who posted it. Oh, this was the day of the Boston bomb. Or like, <laughs> this was like after, right afterwards. This is like at the... What? This is like at the finish line. <laughs> you know when tragedies happen, people are like stuffed animals and like they put stuff. This is what Andrew Ferentz contributed. He brought... I'm not sure if he brought the jersey. I'm assuming he did because it's got a bunch of yeah, signatures, signatures on it. And then I also, obviously, he brought the yeah, flag. Yeah, that's an interesting choice to bring to a memorial. Yeah. Um, I think the thought's there. Yeah, it's just really weird. But also, there's this, this quote that is one of the comments where it just says, Army Rangers take care of business, just like the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Dot dot dot. The Seven, point eight, is one, that six one seven, baby, we doing this. <laughs> That's pretty funny too. Oh boo, boo. Yo, this is messed up. This guy, there was a tragedy this, this day. Guy comments go Hawks on the Boston bombing post. Pretty messed up. That's so sports fan actually. Yeah, that is like pretty intense. This guy, Army this Rangers guy. and Bruins, same thing. Yeah. From Billy. Thanks, Billy. So that's what I was thinking is like that. It's so interesting. I don't know how purposeful it was for them to link themselves, but they did. And now it's like linked in the minds of fans. And that's kind of what's happened. It's, it's a team sport. Team bonding and cohesion are important to a team's success. Mm -hmm. So you need to cultivate a close locker room. I really didn't talk about Patrice Bergeron that much this episode. That's okay. We'll get to him. We'll get to him in the next one. Um, so basically... I was reading this study of like the effects of team diversity in the NHL for like a three-year period. They found that one, teams that are characterized by like a greater importance on teamwork are more successful than those who are more characterized by individualistic play, but they also found that players are more likely to assist players of their own ethnic backgrounds, but specifically French Canadians are more likely to pass to other French Canadians and Europeans are more likely to pass to other Europeans. Interesting. And like, they kind of were like, it could be because of the language barrier and it's like just a source of comfort. But also my other assumption is like, because of the language barrier, you're more likely to be on a line with someone or like out on the ice with someone. That's my assumption anyways. Yeah. Like I feel that like- That makes it, sense. Yeah. So I'm like, I feel like that's probably why it happens. Also, like, if you build the rapport with guys that, like, you came up with, you guys have been, like, playing the same style of hockey for longer, maybe, too. Like, because yeah. it is different, like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Their, their recommendations at the end were just saying that, like, creating common team identity and, like, team goals is a way to integrate all of your players while also showing the rookies or younger players um, 
that they should be learning from like the older, more experienced players on the team. So it's kind of like, if we're all here and we can create this singular identity, potentially over some of the Army Ranger stuff and like some of that, Army Rangers lead the way. That's what their their motto is. Gotcha. So I feel like the Bruins saw that, and part of the reason why they like got close with the Army Rangers were because they were like, we kind of want to take that motto. And then I was also I listened to a interview with Patrice Bergeron. Don't remember when it was from, but basically he was saying how whenever they get a new player, like he sits down with them or someone sits down with them, and they're like, this is how it goes here. This is like the general rules and regulations, if you will. This is how people generally like do stuff. You're either in or you're out. And they're generally pretty in. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of tough if you're, like, not for me. You yeah. just got traded or something. Yeah. But also, like, I mean, that's, like, he's been on the team for, like, what, 20 seasons? Almost. Almost 20 seasons. Almost. It's been 18 years. Like, so, it, yeah. it's up to you. Like, once you're the guy who's been there, like, it's up to you to keep that stuff going. Exactly. Or else it dies out. So... Like, the fact that he takes it that seriously is, like, pretty awesome. There was a Tory Krug interview after he, or it was right before he got traded and, like, didn't get a uh, another offer from the Bruins. He was saying, he kind of, like, referenced that thing, and he was like, I've completely bought into this culture. I'm fully here. I've done everything that is asked of you as a Boston Bruin. So, like, to not receive kind of that I don't know, for for the Bruins, like, organization to not hold up their, like, end of the deal, quote-unquote, he was very, like... Bummed out. Yeah, he was clearly very bothered by it. And I think that that's also really interesting, is this, like... They should have paid that guy. Yeah. Well, honestly, I'm not that mad about it. But also, like, I can <laughs> see how, like, Bergeron's not the guy, like, uh, making those decisions. It's, like, kind of tough. Because yeah. also, like, every sport is like that, where it's, like, also a business. So you have these higher-ups in suits... Who are, decide. who are deciding your fate. And meanwhile, it's like, you want to be in the team, you have to do this, 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 and this. Coming from a player, completely completely independently. So yeah, it's going to be a bummer if you do everything expected of you and they're still like, eh, we're going to go the cheaper option here. We're going to go for something so. better. We don't want you. So yeah, that was just, that was kind of my first set of things I thought were interesting. Nationalism is like, specifically weird in hockey too, because... Like, so many of the teams are in Canada, and the fans, like, really no other sport, like, actively marketing to multiple countries. I mean, maybe basketball with China, but... Yeah, and Canada. Like, yeah. Oh, and Toronto, yeah, yeah. But I guess it's just Toronto, isn't but, it? But, like, like, hockey, like, is so Canadian, and it's, like, also American in its own way, I guess. So, like, yeah. you have, like, the different types of nationals and all butting heads. And it's interesting, because it's, like, the NHL is... Canadian American or North American league, but like it is headquartered in the U.S. <laughs> and called the National Hockey League. So that's a yikes. I feel like technically, when they called it the National Hockey League, it was still probably just Canadian at that point. It was just the Bruins. Yeah, pretty much. Anyways, so yeah, so that's kind of what I've been thinking about, at least in terms of that. 